Women Make Waves is an NC Fit podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Women Make Waves podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay, and today Bloom and I are sitting down with Christine Bald. Oh my gosh, I had no idea what to expect from today's show, to be completely honest with you, and I was absolutely blown away. I recently met Christine when we were both in the morning chalk ups, 14 women making waves in the CrossFit space. I wonder where they got the title for that article. Anyway, I am so glad that I got to meet Christine because today's show was absolutely incredible. We talk all about what it's like to be behind the scenes at the CrossFit Games. Christine is beyond decorated. She is so humble in the amount of writing and authoring she has done for those in the CrossFit space. She's known really well for writing Ben Bergeron's book, Chasing Excellence, And by the time this episode drops, you will need to get your hands on his latest book, which she also helped co-author. We talk about how you tell a deeper story, how you peel back the competitor and you really talk to the person that is standing on top of the podium. We hear all about her experience and what happened with Brooke Wells, how the crowd was running with Scott Paincheck, and how it was to witness Annie Thor's daughter podium finish this year at the games. Oh my gosh, I had chills the entire episode and cannot wait for you to hear it. If you love the show, be sure to share it with a friend. We would love to hear your feedback. Post your favorite episodes and let us know what you want to hear more of. Leave the show a five-star rating and review. And until next week, enjoy the show. What's up, guys? Back with another episode of the Women Make Waves podcast. I'm especially excited about today because Christine Bold, our guest, is actually someone new in my consciousness and my life after we were both um, featured in the morning chalk up about women making waves, which we laughed about before the show. We wonder where they got that title. But I'm super excited to be seeing now with Christine. You guys may recognize her from authoring. Ben Bergeron's books or behind the scenes of Dave Castro's Instagram during the games, which I'm so excited to pick your brain about. And we want to start every episode like we start most asking how you're making waves. Uh, I think probably the thing I'm most visibly making waves with has been Dave Castro's Instagram for the last um, two years. It started um, in 2020 when I sent him a letter like cold call in the mail. He had never, we had never met before and asked him if I could come out and tell the story of the 2020 games. And that turned into me doing that and then coming back again um, next year in Madison. And there were a lot more stories. So there were kind of a lot more waves. So trying to just like tell some real human stories that go a little bit deeper beyond what you see on the competition field is how I tried to make waves, whether or not I actually do that. I guess I'll leave to everybody else. That is such a cool um, it's such a cool story of just how that started, because I feel like for a lot of people, there's like this, well, you know, I had a shoe in, like I had an introduction or, you know, we had been working together before that, but the fact that you just sent him a cold call message and was like, Hey, I'm, I would love to do this. And he just said, okay, is such speaks such volumes for, um, like what can happen if you just ask for it. And I want to know, like, 
were you always that way? Were you always so like, no, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to ask and see what happens. Or is that something that maybe you learned along the way? I think it's probably a mix of both. I definitely have kind of always been that way. And as a creator, sometimes it's easier to just show somebody what I'm thinking rather than to try and explain it. Um, but that summer, uh, when I asked him, I had just watched the, this is such a nerd story. I had just watched Hamilton and I had never seen it. It came out on Disney plus during COVID and I sat down to watch it with my family and I was like shell shocked by it. It was so smart and so cool. But the thing that resonated with me the most was the character Hamilton, who I recognized a lot of his qualities in myself, mostly that he just has no chill whatsoever. And he wants to do a thousand things and whatever he wanted to do, he would just, he would just go do it. And he would, George Washington would ask him for like a memo about something and he would send him 27 pages about it. And I was like, God, that is, I can really relate to that. That's me. Um, And it kind of re it kind of woke something up in me that I think I had kind of forgotten about. And I, you know, all of, while this was going on was all of the kind of crazy drama of the 2020 season. There was the, you know, the athletes boycotting and Greg leaving and Rosa coming on and it, you know, all of this with COVID and are the games going to happen? Are they not going to happen? And I just was like, somebody should tell this story. And I had just seen Hamilton. I was like, well, shit, like, might as well be me. So I, you know, that play very much inspired me to like sit down, write to Dave, I actually sent him the book that I got with the play and like had a bunch of stuff scrawled in the margins and all these sticky notes everywhere. Like he was either going to hire me or he was going to like report me to a mental institution. Uh, luckily, he actually didn't respond for like a month. And then I got a text um, a month or so later. He's like, hey, it's Dave. Do you want to come out to Aromas and do the thing that you said? I was like, okay. He had to think about it for the month. He was like, ooh, is this so <laughs> crazy? Do we want her to come out? They were obviously very desperate. <laughs> <laughs> what was um, your favorite part of that experience other than sending him your psychotic margin notes? Um when you went out and told the story, what were there stories that were uncovered? You weren't even aware of, was there something that you were like, Oh my gosh, like I've, I've struck gold here. What was the most exciting part of that? The most exciting part of that was the ability was the fact that there were no fans. There was like, nobody was allowed on site. There were, I think the ranch legally in California could not have more than 50 people on site at a time. You know, there's five women athletes, five men, the coaches weren't even allowed. Um, We had the two venues. Coaches were allowed at, at one, but they weren't allowed on the ranch just because of the staffing issues. So like nobody, no fans were getting to watch this. So it was a really cool opportunity for me to try and like bring the games to everybody in a way that they would not be unless somebody was kind of like sharing some of those behind the scenes stories. So that was the coolest part to me. I wanted to do a good job for Dave, but I also wanted to bring the games to everybody um, and let them experience it. Um, And it it was such a cool experience. It was so different. The games had never been run like that before. So being able to kind of document that for everybody in the community was really cool. Have you always been a CrossFit athlete? Uh, No, I got into CrossFit in 2013. So like 
in its second era, I guess. I think mm-hmm. we're like in the third era now. So it was like era two. I was working at a sports bar and I used to play tennis actually. And I would like come in for my shifts, like in tennis clothes with my tennis stuff. And everybody that worked there was either like coach or owned a gym or, you know, like worked at one. And they were like, hey, like you look, you like, you like sports, you should try this thing. And I was like, eh, I don't really know. Like, well, that sounds weird. I play real sports. Like, we'll see ya. And then the, I came one day for like a Saturday shift. It was really slow. It was in the morning. And all 32 TVs were turned on to the 2013 CrossFit Games. And I was like, what is that? And they're like, oh, that's our, that's our Olympics, basically. Like, that's what you guys do? And they're like, yeah, pretty much. And I was like, that looks cool. And they were like, yeah, that's what we've been saying. So they convinced me to come to an intro class. And I went and I was like, this is awesome. And it was kind of like that from then on. I started like replacing, I would do like CrossFit on the days I didn't play tennis. And then it like switched. I would um, play tennis on the days that I didn't CrossFit. And then I was just all CrossFit. It's so funny to see that like shift. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Let's. And I think the 2013 game, I think that was the first games I ever went to in person. And it was that same, it was like, you get there and you're in the big, it was still in Carson at the time. And you're like in this big stadium and like watching the teams and like the early individual stuff. And all of my friends had been doing CrossFit longer than I had. And they're like, wait till the tennis stadium, wait till tonight. And I was like a kid in Disneyland. Like you'd get there early, you'd like scope out your seats. You just wait. And it was so funny because, um, is that the year Jason took second to Rich? Um, Maybe. I don't remember. Honestly, I was such a noob. Super sub. Yeah. yeah. We're bad think- employees. We're bad employees. Sorry, Jay. You're going to like Sorry, listen Jay. back to this and be like, damn it. That's it. You're Why fired. don't you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, they're good. They're you got to keep them humble. You got to. Yeah. All <laughs> the time. All the time. Uh, but I remember like being so starstruck and then fast forward, like three years later and I was working for Jason and I was like, you know, so, I mean, still very much starstruck at that point. Um, I'm curious if you had a similar experience being like when you're in the sport and, and it's funny because if you're not in the fitness world or the functional fitness world, CrossFit space, they just look like really strong people and you do meet them and you're like, wow, you're much shorter than I thought you were going to be in real life. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's short time. compared to me. Cause I'm five eleven. Yeah. I'm five ten. I always thought I'm like yeah. the Amazon freak in the gym. Like, yeah, I, I picked a sport that was not great for my body type. Like I played yep. all those earlier and then I found CrossFit and I was like, I want to be really bad at something. <laughs> you guys can reach everything. So <laughs> yeah, it's true. Cups. I can reach all the cups and all the plates. <laughs> Same. I'll like I still to this day will like say this to Jason all the time because we'll work out and obviously I can share zero equipment with the guy because he's just so fit except an assault bike because we sit at the same height same seat height you want to share a bike (laughs) but what was that like transitioning from fan to employee to doing you know working with some of the best of the best in this sport so my transition actually happened a little bit before I moved up to Boston and started working with Ben and became friends with, you know, Katrin and a lot of the athletes that train here. Um, I got into the, like the media side of CrossFit through volunteering for the broadcast team. I think I started in 2014, a friend of mine who went to the gym that I started at 
um, was like, hey, I'm going to volunteer. It was back before the super regional. So we had the mid-Atlantic regional and it was in, it was like just outside DC, which is where I was living at the time. She's like, hey, I'm going to volunteer for this thing. Like, do you want to do this with me? And I'm like, I don't know what that means, but okay, cool. She's like, yeah, you basically get to like hang out behind the scenes at, at regionals, watch and it's cool. I was like, cool. So I signed up to do, we signed up to do it. They put me on the media team because I was working full-time in PR. So it was just like, oh, she does media. Cool. She can go work with media. And I think my job had nothing to do with media. My, I think the only thing I was trusted with was to take water and food to the cameramen who were stationed at, um, they couldn't move essentially. And I had no other job except for to deliver water and food three times a day. So in between that, I would just hang out like with athlete control and like made friends with some of those guys. And that was like year one. And then year two, they were like, okay, maybe you can like hold this cord and plug some stuff in. <laughs> and then like every year started to get more and more responsibility until in 2015, um, somebody suggested I apply to work to volunteer at the games. So I was very much like you, my first experience time at the CrossFit games was working and I walked through the tunnel to like be in the bowl of the tennis stadium. And it was very much like, oh my God, like I work here, this is insane. Uh, so that was really cool, but had to like kind of maintain chill because we had work to do. <laughs> so I had a little bit of experience trying to like maintaining chill and being professional inside a, a CrossFit capacity. So when I had moved to Boston and started working for Ben, I had been doing that for a number of years and it was still very much, like I was starstruck for like a good six months. But I uh, was kind of like able to keep it together because I had been doing that for the last couple of years uh, during the game season at both regionals and the games. And for listeners that don't know, what is it that you do for Ben? Oh, sorry. Uh, what do I do for Ben? I have done a lot of things for Ben. I was hired originally just to coach at CrossFit New England. I was hard as part-time coach. Um, I also kind of helped out with CFNE social media um, that was kind of happening as Comtrain was growing. So I kind of like stepped into the role of Comtrain's like media person, I would say like media director, but it was just me. Like there was nobody to direct. It was just like, the, it was Harry doing the programming, Harry and Ben doing the programming um, and me doing the media. And then as the company grew, um, started like doing other things for Ben. I would like, we would write articles together and then um, in 2017, he told me he was writing a book and he had actually worked with a ghostwriter already and the manuscript had come back and he didn't love it, asked me if I would look at it. And I was like, okay. And I looked at it and I was like, like that's, I am fascinated by everything this man says. And this is kind of boring. Um, so kind of told him what I thought. And he was like, cool, you got a better idea, um, which turned into us working on that book together, which turned into us like writing the whole book together. Um, so now today I just work with Ben in that kind of author capacity, which is the direction I'm trying to get my career to go in, do less. I love social media, but I love telling deeper, very complex stories and the longer form book type um, format allows me to do that. So I'm trying to do more of that going forward. You mean you can't go deep on a 15 second reel? I cannot reach my full potential in 15 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I 
feel like that should be the new standard is if you can do it in 15 seconds on a reel, then like you have, you are the pinnacle of the best. Yeah, you, you beat the game. Teller. Exactly. Exactly. You win. We're done. You win. You, yeah. You know, let's just close it down. Let's um, just call yeah. it tabloids, right? Like <laughs> yeah, I thing. think so. Yeah. We've okay. evolved into a tabloid. Oh no. Yikes. Hopefully not. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm going to stop recording now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, there we go. There it is. Sorry, guys. Um, but I'm, I am curious to know, because this keeps coming back to, like, you're just willing to be honest, even if it's not necessarily um, your place. And I'm putting place in air quotes because, like, who cares? But, like, it could be for somebody, you know, that maybe isn't as confident or wasn't. I don't know, maybe prepared to give honest feedback the way that you gave honest feedback on the first version of the book. I just want to know where that confidence comes from, because that's, I think, something that women in general could use a little bit more of. Mm, it's a good question. Um, there's, I think there's probably two sides to it. Like one is I've had success doing that in the past. Um, it's not just there's more to just giving feedback. And I think the, the key to like being honest and giving like kind of tough feedback like that is to come from a place of like, I really want to help you make this better. So it's not just, it wasn't me just telling Ben like, Hey, so this kind of reads like a boring textbook. It was, Hey, this reads like a boring textbook. I have an idea. I think what you need is a narrative. I think you need a through line. And I think you know, what do you think about using the CrossFit game, 2016 CrossFit games, Katrin and Matt's experience during those games as the like jumping off point for every chapter. And we could kind of just like go through the game, start to finish. And he was like, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. But that sounds really cool. And from there it was like, you know, I'll just write the first two chapters and I'll show you. So um, coming with feedback is also like coming with ideas. The difference between just, um, just saying, being honest, like radically transparent, I guess is the, the term for it. And um, being helpful is kind of what gives me the confidence to do it. Cause it's not, I'm just, just knocking you down. I'm, I have a really, I have an idea that I think will help you. And when people pick up on that, I think they're more open to any sort of feedback because you're on their yeah. team. Yeah. I totally see that. Um, the other part of it is how do you balance wanting to give that feedback with the idea of like you wanting to own the process after that. Cause I can think of a lot of people who, um, you know, don't want to share an idea, don't want to share something maybe that they're thinking for fear that someone else will just take it and run with it and not include you in it. And I'm curious, like, has that come up for you? Has that fear come up for you? Has that happened to you? Um, and maybe, you know, like, how do you navigate that? Uh, that's a cool question because a couple of people have brought that up to me, I, usually during the CrossFit games, when I'm running the photo journal, um, inherently, like you'll see, start to see like other accounts start to kind of like write in a way that's kind of similar to my photo journal style and people will send it to me and they're like, Oh, look, they're trying to copy. And I just think it's awesome. Like, Cool. We need more storytellers. We need more people um, digging behind the scenes and talking about stuff in cool ways. Like we, the world needs more writers. I think that's awesome. 
Um, do I still want to be the best at doing it? Hell yeah. And I'm not, it doesn't worry me at all. I don't feel um, undermined by it because I know for a fact that nobody is more prepared than me. Nobody has done more like research than me. No one's going to be able to do it better than me. And I don't say that from it. Like I'm the best writer. Like I'm the most prepared when I show up for the games or any assignment. Like no one has done more research than me. I will outwork you every single time. And so like when other people try and, or like want to have or share that idea, like, cool, like, let's do this. That's awesome. What is that? What does that research look like? Because I could imagine it probably looks a lot different than what people suspect. Uh, Yeah, it's, um, it was different in 2020 versus 2021. 2020 was easy because I only had 10 people to research. 2020 was much, or 2021 was much harder because it was, you know, masters and teams and like, it was the whole field again, plus all the individuals. So kind of just going through the entire season, um, semifinal by semifinal, in some cases, like going back even further to like the qualifier and the open and just trying to pick out like what has happened to this person? What is their storyline? If they do like fuck around and podium, like what am I going to say about them when that happens? And obviously only six people are going to podium, but you have to be prepared for like 20 different people to podium. So just trying to, learn as much as I possibly could about every single athlete. Um, sometimes I would, I would DM, I DM'd a bunch of people, a bunch of the athletes and just ask them. Uh, I only had one question. I, I asked, um, what is the one thing that people don't know about you this season, but should and a lot of people answered and it was really cool. And I didn't get to tell all of those stories, but I got to tell some of them. Um, yeah, just, um, knowing as much as possible doing as absorbing all of the publicly available information on the internet that exists. (laughs) I curated the whole internet with regards to every CrossFit competitor. And it was just, you know, it was like very organized. And um, I had like notes in my phone as kind of the way that I kind of like go back and check on things. So I just had a zillion notes in my phone, kind of like making sure that everything was super easy and accessible. It sounds really boring, but when you're on the fly writing, you know, 500 word essays on your phone, and you need to look up one fact, like you're not going to look it up if it's going to take 15 minutes. So just like ahead of time, making sure everything was really organized and I could find all the information that I had kind of curated is huge. What is one of the untold stories that you didn't get the chance to tell that you wish? You <sighs> There's so many. Um, one I told on my Instagram, probably the one that everybody wanted to know the most about was what happened to Brooke. And it felt way too personal to tell. It was too sad, too traumatic to tell that story. It just didn't feel right in the moment. But I ended up, I did write about it um, after she'd had her surgery and was kind of on the mend. And the thing that really stood out to me about that story was, you know, everybody saw Brooke get rushed off of the floor and she was obviously in a great deal of pain. Um, What you didn't see was her entire team like rally around her. She was um, with the medical team under the arena and, you know, she was whisked very quickly into the like x-ray room and she didn't come out for a while. And outside the door, I ran over there because Brooke is a friend of mine and I was really worried and sad for her. So I kind of like went over there just to kind of see where she was, what was going on. And 
Shane and um, somebody else from Proven were already there behind, like kind of pacing outside the door. And then like her parents come running and Sydney was there and um, JB, the general manager of the games and then Matt O'Keefe and um, Loud and Live and all of those guys like kind of just emerged out of nowhere. And then, you know, Dave and Tia came as soon as the snatch event was over and they all were just kind of standing outside the door, like guarding it. And then she came out and like, they literally like put her in a chair and like formed this protective circle around her and there's a picture of it. And it was just really sad, but it was also like very inspiring to see how many people like love and support Brooke. And it was like, whatever she's gonna have to deal with on her road to recovery, she's not gonna have to deal with it alone. She's got this massive, massive team behind her. And that was really cool to see. Um, so didn't get to tell that story at the games, would have liked to, but it just didn't feel like the right thing. Uh, the other one that I, I can't believe that I missed was the crowd running with Scott Panchik during one of the, it was like the toe to bar run event and his knee was like really bothering him. And, you know, the run was basically just a lost cause and he was just kind of like limping along. And during the first lap, I think it was just some of his family started running the backstretch with him. And then some other people kind of figured out what was going on. So the next lap, there was like a bigger group and they were jogging with him until he got back to the stadium. And then by the third lap, there's this massive throng of people running with Scott Panchik through the backstretch of this run. And I was on, you know, I was on the infield, so I didn't see any of that was happening, but uh, it would have been such a great story to tell. Big miss. I have full body goosebumps thinking of like, that is the epitome of the CrossFit community. And I'd love to get your opinion on this because I played team sports forever. And something I've talked about quite a bit on the show is like, it preaches when you're in team sports, right? They preach that this is your family and you do anything for one another. And that was always my narrative until I was like, well, yeah, until you start over me. And then like, no way, then I'm going to like, I'm going to be pretty cutthroat and I'm going to work my way back up to that position. And the CrossFit community feels as though it's anything but that from fans to training partners, to coaches, to anyone and everyone in between, like the fact that that many strangers by the end of it would start running to support someone is so, so incredible. Yeah. I actually asked Scott about that um, at some point during the games, after I heard that story and he said that it was really remarkable, but it was also there was it, in a way there's nothing remarkable about it at all. Cause that kind of thing happens. Like you just said, it happens at gyms all the time. The person that goes out for the run at the very end of Murph, that's, you know, like so far behind everybody, like someone's running with that person. And sometimes it's more than one person. And we all, we all just do that. It's like a normal part of, like you said, it's a normal part of CrossFit. So it Scott, it was cool because Scott was like, that's never happened to me before. That doesn't happen at my gym. I'm never the last person. So for him to be able to experience what we all get to experience is kind of proof of what you were saying is like, it's so quintessentially CrossFit. It can like people do this and experience that on every level, you know, the newest person at the gym to like one of the most decorated male games athletes of all time. So like, so cool. I love that part of that story. Okay. So this seems like the dream job right? Like you get to be in these spaces and see all of these really cool stories and you get to, you know, like mold how that gets 
um, shown and, and, you know, shared with the world. How do you take that responsibility and what's your favorite part about it? Oh. Um, I will say that the way, like I've gotten better at it. And I think one of the reasons that I've been able to, you know, be assertive and ask for these things, the reason people say yes is because over the years, like I've worked at this really hard. Like I didn't used to be um, the writer that I am right now. Just, you know, I was actually looking recently. I went back and looked at all the stuff that I wrote, um, the photo journal I wrote during the 2020 games. And I'm like, people like this? Like, to me, it wasn't good. It wasn't nearly as good as 2021. And one of the takeaways from 2020, and I remember being like, the stuff that really resonated with, with people was the not the competition floor action. It was like the emotional human moments behind the scenes. And that was like my big note going into 2021 was to do more of that. So when I went back and I read the old stuff, I was just like, wow, like that sucks. <laughs> it, I, you know, it's gotten a lot better. So um, that's kind of important for me to keep in mind is that you got to have like, I need to keep pounding on the craft. Like you have to keep getting better always. And I do that by, you know, reading other people's stuff. There's like five authors who I, whose work just blows me away. And I try and just consume as much of it as possible and kind of figure out how they do that. Um, so that kind of allows me to keep coming back through the door. And I don't take that for granted at all. The only reason I'm allowed to do it is because I'm good and I have to stay good because it's not, it's not like an innate thing. I really have to do work at it. I'm, I don't think anybody's naturally talented. Or, um, what was your second question? What's your favorite part about it? <sighs> favorite part about it? Um, I love being behind the scenes. It really is awesome. <laughs> um, the relationships in particular, are is the best part so you know I didn't know Dave before I sent him that letter uh, and now you know we work together for two years and like working with him is awesome he's a cool guy it's really cool knowing him and having a, like a relationship a professional relationship with him and then all the other people behind the scenes at the games too who you don't see who don't compete but like who are would the games would not happen without them there's so many incredible humans that are so um, important to like behind the scenes and it's amazing I think it's pretty common in CrossFit we joke about this a lot like it seems to just attract amazing people are just kind of drawn to this space and I just seem to know way more of them through CrossFit but it's even more true at the games level like everyone that works there is incredible and they all have amazing stories and they're all so talented and they work so hard and being surrounded by those kind of people is really inspiring. Like nothing makes me want to do good work, like seeing good work. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be writing. Like everybody is so dedicated to what they do and they're so good at it that it just automatically raises your, your level. And that's really awesome to be part of. Yeah, we were talking with somebody about that yesterday, that if you want to level up, get in a room full of people that are at the level that you want to aspire to. Um, yeah, play up. Play up, for sure. That's um, how I got good at tennis. I would just play, I would just play people better than me all the time. And you have to feel, um, you have to feel a little bit 
shitty. Like you have, it's like, if you feel comfortable, you're not growing. And so playing up is such a cool concept because like you're playing like the underdog and that's how you get better. Absolutely. As soon as you, as soon as you get comfortable, like you're, you're not growing anymore. That's, and it's so cool. Cause I have always found that when you put yourself in that position to grow or to, like, nobody has looked down on me and been like, oh man, I got to play with the freshmen, you know, like they're all so supportive, especially in this community. Right. Like I've seen Jason stick around the gym more times than I can count to help people get that first pull up or do these different things. And it's so inspiring. Like, I don't want to put any professional athlete on a pedestal because at the end of the day, they're, they're people, they're humans. Right. But I don't know how many times you would see, you know, some basketball star stop at the local like basketball hoop and help people out, you know, and it seems like CrossFit competitors just tend to do that more frequently than others. Yeah. What were, you mentioned five authors that you really aspire to, to be, I don't want to say be like, because you have your own flair like. that, inspi- okay, <laughs> that inspire you. Who are they? What was it about their writing that just hooked you? Uh, my favorite by far is Michael Lewis. He wrote, he's um, Blindside, Moneyball. Uh, there's a lot of movies that have been based off his books, but he is he's an author of 13 books. I own them all and I've read them all. And his writing style is like, if, if you read Michael Lewis, you will recognize his, like my style through him or vice versa. Like um, he does a ton of research and then he has this kind of knack for distilling it down to um, it's essential parts that are easy to understand and very entertaining. Like he's pretty sarcastic. He's witty. Like the way that he phrases sentences is like, it's funny. And his, he makes really difficult, complex subjects entertaining to read and follow because of the way that he writes. And that's really impressive to me. Um, another one is Mary Roach. She is a like science tech writer, journalist. Um, she writes um, one of my favorite things by her is she kind of like went into the um, U.S. military where the U.S. Army tests all of its stuff which is actually here in Natick um, which is why I got the book and it's kind of the same thing just has this amazing ability to make the most boring science stuff so entertaining just with her like flair for like gift with words and like her stuff makes me laugh out loud it's so it's funny and i you know, one day hope to be able to write as well as she does. Um, the other one, obviously, we've already covered this, is Lynn manuel Miranda from uh, Hamilton. He's written a bunch of other stuff as well. Uh, like everything he writes is awesome. Um, but yeah, the probably like those are the big three. I could probably think of some more, but those are the big three. Fun fact about Lynn manuel Miranda, he taught at my husband's high school. Oh my gosh. Before he got into like, while he was writing in the Heights. Yeah. That's amazing. That's yeah. so cool. That's a fun fact. Gabe likes to bring that up a lot. Talk yeah. About I would never, I would never stop talking about yeah. that. If I went to high school with <laughs> Miranda as a teacher. <laughs> I know. I love stuff like that. My claim to fame is that Lindsay Lohan went to my high school. So. Wow. That is I know. a very big claim to fame. Yeah. She wore yeah, <laughs> pink on Wednesdays. She did wear pink. I don't remember what days. 
maybe maybe Wednesdays. Y'all, I got I have no claim to fame. I'm from like corn fed nowhere land. Word. And you know, there we go. We go to high. It's like Friday night lights. That's what my high school was like. Like, yeah, we the- escaped high school. <laughs> we everything. Um, it was crazy. Everything revolves around high school football, um, which is funny because it's not like we're crazy good at it by any means. But like <laughs> the whole downtown would close and there'd be signs on the doors that were like at the football game, be back at 9 p.m like, why are you here? If you're not like, why aren't you there? Uh, yeah. Wow, it was crazy. That is Friday night lights. Yeah. And, but yet nobody went on to be professional football players by any, by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, there we are. What were, um, cause I love that you're telling the untold stories and that's a lot of what we were talking about before the show, what bloom and I try to do with this show is like, anyone can talk to you about being a really decorated CrossFit athlete. We want to know like, what's going on in your life? What's like lighting your fire? What is, what are you passionate about? What were some of the untold stories? And as you were researching, because like I said, you can research all of the, all of the accolades. What were some of the things that you uncovered and you're like, wow, like from a personal history or, you know, a personal life standpoint, this is really incredible that this person is stepping up in the way that they are. I mean, hands down has to be Annie Thor's daughter for 2021. And she'd been very open about how difficult the year had been for her, but I don't think people understood the full scope of what postpartum depression feels like, how limited she had been in her preparation for the games. Like, you know, she at every stage on the way to the games did not think she was going to make the next stage. The only time, the first time all season, she felt like she could actually put her pedal or put her foot all the way down on the gas pedal without hurting herself was semifinals. Like that was the first time she felt like she could like give it her all. And games athletes aren't really in the habit of competing when they can't give it their all. Like they just don't, they just they don't have that speed. So imagining what that must have felt like for somebody who is so accustomed to like you know, she's not here to smile and wave. Like when Annie shows up, like she's here to compete and win. And it must've been so difficult for her at every stage of the way to not know if she was going to be able to give it everything she had. Um, and so during the games, you know, I, I couldn't write all about Annie, unfortunately I had to like write about other stuff too, but that was one of the things that I highlighted kind of before the games began. I think it was day one, right before the swim was, like people are too casual about the fact that Annie Thor's daughter has been competing is the only one still competing that was originally competing on the CrossFit ranch, like era one, era two, era three, and not only competing, but like, she's literally still paving the way for what is possible. She's still at the very top. Like this year she podiumed in her 11th CrossFit games. Like people don't do that. Like if you look at everybody else, um, you know, at some point they just can't keep up with the evolution of the sport. Annie is still driving the evolution of the sport and it's so insane. Um, and that's a story that frankly, like cannot be told on social media. Like we got to write a book about this. <laughs> Annie and I have talked about doing that and very excited about, um, potentially, um, doing that in the future. That's going to be epic. 
one of the like all-time favorite memories I have because Annie was guest number one on the Women Make Waves podcast. She shared, you know, the kind of evolution of how training has been for her and how like she used to not really welcome in um, women to train with her because she felt kind of like it was competitive and it was like bringing the vibe down and it was better to just train with the guys. But now how much has shifted for her in like, she wants to be surrounded by women. Like she wants to bring everybody up with her. And I think if anyone is like not a fan of Annie, I think that they're a sociopath the same way yesterday. (laughs) Right. Like Lindsay and I were talking yesterday, you can't go see a dog without wanting to take that dog home. You can't hear a story about Annie and not love her. That was probably my favorite part of the games. Two of my like dearest, closest friends, one, um, their husband and wife, and he used to own an affiliate, has been in the CrossFit space for a really long time. His wife just started doing functional fitness in their garage with him like last year because he has all this coaching background. Right. And so I was like watching their Instagram stories all weekend of them watching the CrossFit games. And it was always my friend watching and just like super into it. And his wife, like scrolling on her phone or like, this is so dumb. And then Sunday when Annie podiumed on his story, his wife is like full tears having like the biggest breakdown moment. And he's like, oh yeah, is CrossFit still dumb, babe? Like you still hate this sport? And it that was- woman was all of us watching Annie podium on Sunday. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't think there was a dry eye in the house. And I was like, you know, it's as a writer could not get any more compelling stuff to write about. So I was just like, Everyone here is going to be crying by the time I finish writing about Annie. <laughs> well, we'll look forward to the New York Times bestseller that's bound to come out of it. <laughs> Don't jinx it. Don't jinx it. <laughs> that's we're manifesting. See? We're manifesting. Oh, okay. Okay. Welcome Good. I love Bloom that. And I being the most <laughs> we have rebranded people. jinxing. I'm really into this. Yeah. <laughs> this is the new jinxing is just manifesting it. Manifesting. Okay. I am very much on board with that. Okay. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Um, I want to know though, because this actually sparked a really interesting question. Like, how do you manage the emotional toll that it can take? You know, like learning everybody's stories, learning where they're coming from. Um, and even some of the things that maybe like as you learn about athletes, maybe you don't like about them. Like, how do you navigate that space? Because Lindsay hit the nail on the head earlier. Like we're all human. There's going to inevitably be people that maybe you don't agree with, or you don't um, align with anywhere. And as the sport grows, that's just going to continue to happen. So kind of how do you navigate that piece? Um, Like I'm not perfect. So uh, just, I don't expect anybody else to be. And I think when it comes to people, flaws are usually the most interesting part. And I don't expect to like, I don't go through life expecting everybody to agree with me. And I don't go through life expecting never to be offended or to disagree with anything along the way. So I am always very interested by other people's perspectives because just because I don't agree with them doesn't mean they're not interesting or like something to write about or like a cool angle or it's something I hadn't considered before. So for me, I'm just like so curious about what drives people that I'm always trying to figure that out. And um, 
to me, like, like I said, flaws are usually the most compelling part and just trying to like, I always just keep an open mind because um, if everything was just perfect all the time, the writing would be really boring. The story would be pretty boring. Um, so it's also when I'm working, there is a switch that is kind of flipped where I become very, very neutral. Like, you know, Catherine David's daughter is one of my best friends, but when I'm working at the games, she's just another, um, she's another athlete that I have to write about objectively. And as soon as I stop writing then that becomes not the case again, but there is a switch that kind of flips the professional switch. And I, you know, I guess that just comes from, you know, 10 plus years of like working in the space. I feel like it's the same kind of switch that athletes have to make, you know, like you are best friends with these people outside of the competition floor. And then when it comes to the competition itself, like you kind of have to switch it into that like professional gear to get there. It's, it is really interesting because it's like, like you said, like you and Katrin are best friends, but you have to be able to separate those. Has that been a challenge or um, are there other things that maybe have been more challenging with that? Uh, honestly, no. Uh, it's funny when I watch Katrin compete, when I used to, when I was comp trains kind of media person, I would go to the games in that capacity. And when I watch Katrin compete, my nerves would literally be just like so frayed. I would like, sometimes I would feel like I just didn't even want to watch. I was so nervous, like way more nervous than I would be if I was competing, just watching her just because, you know, she's my friend and I want her to do well. And um, it's totally outside of my control. So like, that's just, you know, it's a very anxious feeling. Um, when I have a job to do, I've noticed at the games when I'm working for Dave, um, I'm so caught up in like doing that job and it's extremely stressful and difficult that I don't have that same reaction. So it's kind of like you were saying, the games athletes kind of have to turn it on and off when they go onto the floor. I, my body seems to do the same thing when I'm working versus not, I'm way less anxious watching my friends when I'm like writing about them, working for somebody else versus um, just kind of spectating as their friend. <laughs> which is helpful, but I still want them to do well, obviously. Right. Of course. Um, kind of on the same lines of like flipping the switch, do you have any sort of like routine or ritual that you use to get you like into the mindset to write these pieces? Um, no, actually. She's um, like research bloom. I hit yeah, my honestly. research. That is yeah, meditation. My, my ritual is to, yeah, just learn as much as possible. It's, it's really boring. It's so watching interviews, like literally curating the internet when it comes to um, like content, like before the games, I have watched and listened to every podcast, interview, documentary, video that exists through the season. And if I don't, I'm not doing my job. So it's boring, it's not super exciting and it's a lot of transcribing and stopping and hitting pause and taking notes. But that's what I mean when I say that nobody's gonna outwork me because it's so fucking boring and it takes so much time, like weeks and weeks and weeks before the games start. Like really it's like during semifinals and the quarters when it all starts, knowing that like I might get to use some of this information. Like I'm gonna use 10% of what I find here 
but that 10% is going to be so much richer because I took the time to do this work. Well, now you have another podcast to add to your, uh, your research lineup. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Hate to break it to you. You're welcome. That's great. It's so great. We'll try to keep them interesting. No, I you'll, said you'll want to take notes. Yeah. <laughs> the relationships that you make in this business are the best part of being involved. So like doing stuff like this is awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. If people want to read your writing, get connected, follow your journey, how do they do it? Uh, Chasing Excellence, Ben's first book is available on Amazon. Um, his next book, Unlocking Potential is available as of Black Friday. So depending on when this publishes, it will probably already be available. Um, And then all of my stuff for Dave is still, as far as I know, on Dave's Instagram. Sometimes he goes on a tear and archives everything. So I think 2020 is archived, um, but everything is posted on the righthandmedia.co website, which is um, the link to that is on my Instagram. And you guys can go and check out all of the relive all of the moments from 2020 and 2021 hell yeah thank you so much christine this is awesome thank you guys so much this is really cool